you're listening to the Risk Management Podcast, hosted by Rex Chatterjee. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Risk Management Podcast. I'm your host, Rex Chatterjee. This episode two will be a quick take, meaning it'll feature between 10 and 20 minutes of high-level headline analysis, risk analysis, and the identification of ways in which business can manage, frankly, the risks that we identify. Today's date is November 12th, 2021. And without further ado, let's dive into it. So the first story that I want to discuss is Oak Street Health's Monday 10Q, in which they disclose that they've received a civil investigative demand from the US DOJ. We know that it's around uh, third-party marketing relationships and, and things of that nature. And, you know, without going too specific, one, because all the facts aren't clear at the moment, and two, Oak Street's going through a very tough time right now, um, undoubtedly. Nevertheless, we can never, and, you know, we'll just, we'll just parrot this till our heads fall off. Compliance program, internal audit, tone from the top. We, you know, at Titan Gray, my team and I consult with businesses on risk of a variety of natures, uh, including enforcement risk from the DOJ and the SEC, et cetera. And the, you know, th- this isn't that complicated on its face. The implementation, yeah, look, it's it's very detail heavy and you know, very specific company to company. However, if you're a business leader or in management at a company, we encourage you every day, every week, maybe, you know, recite it at the end of your prayers before bed every night. I will have good tone from the top. I will have a compliance program and I will have strong internal audit. These functions are incredibly necessary in any business to ensure, or at least, you know, not to ensure that's not possible, but to try to ensure, to put your best foot forward in ensuring that you don't have untoward relationships with third-party marketing agents, you don't have you know anti-competitive practices sprouting up in various places. Aside from the very smallest of businesses, businesses at any size and scale have exposure here. And that exposure can be much more intricate and hidden and latent, but nevertheless as pernicious as any other, but more than you might think. The next thing we want to cover is the ongoing situation in Belarus and its border with Poland. This is a long one to unpack and... Like so many other quick take items, it's something that merits its own deep dive. However, just to give it sort of a brief treatment here, there is a migrant and humanitarian crisis that's happening on the border of Poland and Belarus. Now, just this past week, Belarus, along with Russia, has conducted joint military training exercises on the border with Poland. The Polish army has dispatched 15,000 soldiers uh, to the border area in reaction to the tense standoff. There's great coverage from CNN on this, and then we'll link the uh, article that we're looking at in our podcast show notes. But, you know, suffice it to say, for the purposes of business, this area could well explode into a hotbed of activity that is ultimately going to impair business activity in the region, right? So whether it's a business that's got a manufacturing facility in Poland or whether there's, you know, activity economic activity happening for the business in Belarus. The main thing to do at this point is to step up monitoring of the ongoing situation and to clear up lines of decision and lines of communication between folks as close to the ground there as possible for the business in terms of gathering information and leadership 
wherever that might exist for the business in terms of being able to make a decision one way or the other as to what to do in response to in response to any escalation of the situation, whether that's a violent escalation or otherwise. This would include things like mapping all of your key dependencies and resources that pertain to the region, mapping all of your personnel and accounting for all of them, having clear evacuation plans and contingencies for those plans should events warrant and require the evacuation of personnel and then as a step-down basis of certain modes of evacuation are unavailable, what other modes or means are there to return people to safety. You know, from an insurance perspective, having the appropriate KRE insurance or other insurance policies or products that would cover that kind of risk. Moving on to an item that's breaking, you know, sort of as we speak here, it is 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, Friday, the 12th of November, 2021. There's been a, an explosion at a mosque in Afghanistan during Friday prayers. Um, this took place in Nangahar province in eastern Afghanistan. Right now, there's not a lot known about who is behind this, whether it will have a significantly and, you know, long-term destabilizing effect, uh, whether this is a harbinger of more violence to come. There's really just not a lot of information out yet, and so we won't spend too much time on this. But just for the sake of being aware, no one's looking at Afghanistan right now and saying everything's hunky-dory. But I think with events like this, we might have to consider the fact that things might be a lot less hunky-dory than we even perceived even after the U.S. withdrawal um, earlier this fall. So Afghanistan, another thing to keep on the radar. You know, and this is something that's maybe our next point, really. Uh, these last two and, and the next two, I think, um, all of the points that we're making right now pertain to, you know, sort of international business and geopolitical news and the ways in which business, A, should be aware of and then B, react or plan around the risks that can then therefore arise I think in many ways, because of and in light of the COVID pandemic, a sort of chunk of our attention span, and, and perhaps it's just media coverage and the chunk of the media coverage, being focused on that whole vertical has sort of then, I mean, the pie is finite, right? So it's sort of limited then the awareness of many folks about things going on internationally. And so, for instance, it's sort of easy to overlook things like the military coup in Sudan, which happened last month. So the news breaking, you know, as of yesterday, Reuters was reporting out of Cairo that um, Sudan's army chief, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, was sworn in on Thursday, so yesterday, as the head of a new transnational council he appointed to lead the country following the military takeover. This there, there's, there's problems um, all around, I think chief of which is there's just mass protests in the streets of Khartoum, you know, people burning tires, banners, the whole nine yards. And just from what we've seen over the last decade or so, this could well spiral into a humanitarian crisis. And it breaks my heart, honestly, to say this because Sudan struggled with that sort of crisis for, for so long. In terms of business, you know, look, uh, obviously, Sudan itself as a country, if you've got business activities there, you're probably aware of this crisis. With the takeover now, what's you know moving into a crisis, again, it's the same sort of playbook, the same things to think about. Key dependencies, personnel in country, personnel traveling near country, having evac plans, having kidnap and ransom insurance, and a whole host of just other safeguards around having personnel located in areas that are hot zones, could become hot zones, both with, you know, just active warfare potentially, uh, humanitarian crises, uh, civil unrest, and so on and so forth. And then finally, rounding out our sort of international coverage for this episode is the 
fuel issue uh, going on presently in the nation of Haiti. For just about a month, an alliance of gang dubbing itself the G9 has seized control of a fuel terminal right outside of Port-au-Prince, creating fuel shortages in protest of and demanding the resignation of uh, Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Look, this has prevented hospitals from operating at full capacity. And mind you, COVID is still a risk, both in the U.S., but also elsewhere, and perhaps even more so elsewhere, where you know vaccination probably isn't as you know widespread. But businesses, schools, et cetera, operating in and around Port-au-Prince have had to see operations being limited because of a fuel shortage caused by the G9 alliance. And so the news that's broken today is that the fuel blockade will be lifted next week and for only next week to commemorate, you know, the the holiday in Haiti uh, on November 19th, celebrating the Haitian defeat of the Napoleonic army and the you know, leading to the free and independent Haiti. You know, it there's a lot to unpack here, right? But I mean, again, really, it's the time and again, similar playbook, Haiti, potential hot zone, key dependencies, personnel in country, kidnap and ransom policy. And Haiti especially so. It's to the point where I think if a business has personnel in Haiti, a kidnap ransom policy is probably already in place. But, you know, God forbid if that's just not the case, it needs to be Haiti being a, you know, prime hotbed internationally for for kidnapping and specifically of business personnel. And with growing civil unrest related to the fuel shortages, the unavailability of hospital beds and other key services, it's probably never been a more dangerous time in recent memory, recent, recent memory to be in Haiti. Turning our attention next to uh, more domestic concerns, there's been a recall of more than 2 million COVID-19 home tests manufactured by a company called Illume, E-L-L-U-M-E. However, the breaking news this week is that the FDA has classified this now as as a class one recall, which, you know, under the FDA's rubrics for uh, the recalls of food and drugs, this is the most serious. It's not really difficult to imagine why. The tests are being recalled for a higher than acceptable rate of false positives. So if you think about it, a false positive, you take a you know at-home COVID test, it comes back as positive. You suddenly then are looking for treatments, whether that's vaccines, hospital visits, potentially in, in some demographics in some parts of the country. Among some people, that means looking to things like ivermectin and other unproven but widely touted solutions or treatments. I say that word treatments with uh, air quotes here. This is perhaps the latest in a string of issues that could affect businesses as they reopen from COVID. You know, folks coming back into the office. Obviously, to limit the spread of COVID, we want to be in as acceptable for the purposes of the business away as possible, ensuring that folks aren't transmitting or at risk of transmitting COVID in the workplace to uh, co-workers, et cetera, because look, an office-borne COVID outbreak could really cripple the operations of a business. That being said, right, um, if folks are resorting to using home tests to establish being COVID-free in order to comply with, you know, the various policies and procedures that a business might have put forth or a workspace or what have you. Having tests that indicate false positives confounds and creates even further issues than, you know, what would ordinarily occur or does occur right when implementing a a compliance and screening and quarantining protocol. So could not have come at a worse time, but ultimately we have to praise the swift action here of the FDA and of Illume in getting these products recalled. There's also a lesson here in terms of product management and product quality assurance as a means of risk management for a business. You know, Loom can't obviously be, be happy about having to recall 2 million tests. 
And with that being said, I think that's a, a topic better discussed later on on a different episode of the podcast. Uh, quality assurance is something that is extremely difficult and exceptionally difficult in a time when companies have to be dynamic to get diagnostics and therapeutics to the market to fight COVID on, I think, what scientists would probably call an unprecedented timeline um, in terms of the speed of execution that's required, that's been required. Moving on to our final item of coverage here, um, according to recent jobs data, a record 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs in September. We have been thinking about, in the run-up to this podcast, talking about the quote-unquote great resignation. Friends, it is here. The Bureau of Labor Statistics showed on Friday that the nation had 10.4 million open jobs. You know, and with these separations from service. I think the the thing that we can say for sure is that the labor crisis and perhaps related to that, the supply chain crisis that we've been discussing on episodes of this podcast uh, is going nowhere fast to the extent that it is outcome driven and remediation driven by folks going to work. Now, look, it's not as though resignations are driven entirely by sloth or laziness or just unwillingness to do a job, right? Uh, COVID has created tons of new care obligations and other confounding factors that may complicate a person's employment situation. You know, with that being said, I think it's really incumbent upon businesses here that want to retain a solid workforce is to explore ways in which, and really it's listen to your people, to create cultures that are, you know, it's it's difficult to use the word proof here, but you know, resignation proof or burnout proof. Uh, obviously, that's not, you know, completely devoid of resignations or burnout. But in a, a way in which, and again, that's why we use the word proof you know, sort of in the colloquial parlance, right? But so in a system that manages and understands that these things do occur, that workers do get burnt out, that after a long period of working remotely, perhaps a full-scale return to an office may not be ultimately what is best for worker satisfaction, which, again, is worker satisfaction the same thing as business productivity? No. Look, I'm sure I'd, I'd, I'd actually, I am sure I would love to just sit at home and eat jelly beans and have my business be productive. But unfortunately, that's not how that works, right? But at the same time, compromises and understanding of the evolving nature of work, um, both in this country and globally, is essential to creating a workplace that is more immune to this quote-unquote great resignation than, than others. And it's companies that really create solid work cultures that take an expansive view of collaboration and productivity and really prioritize bottom line results and really just don't seek to helicopter over their employees. These are the kind of businesses that we believe, you know, here at Titan Gray at the Risk Management Podcast uh, will emerge from this labor crisis, this labor shortage in the strongest position. So hopefully this has all been helpful. Again, a quick take here, high level issues, high level insights, and we will drill down deeper on some of these, if not all of these, on upcoming deep dives featuring guests from industry who can give us even deeper perspectives on these various issues of risk. And we will connect again soon. Stay tuned, everyone. The Risk Management Podcast is a production of Titan Grey, Global Risk and Crisis Management, and is hosted by Rex Chatterjee. If you found our content helpful, please take a moment to give us a review and to hit the like and subscribe buttons for more great content. To reach us, send an email to info at riskmanagementpodcast.com.
This recording is a copyright of Titan Grey LLC with all rights reserved. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay safe out there.